So hi, Ian, thank you for coming on to our Chain Chat series. I appreciate you inviting me and reaching out and happy to be here. Yeah, nice to, nice to meet you. Um, how it works is we ask each guest to leave a question for the next guest. And the last question, which Dr. Tammy Francis left for you, is this one. So thinking practically, what are you doing in the spaces you occupy to add diversity and to be inclusive and to make sure that those that you invite belong? Yeah. So what I've been doing a lot lately is uh, really going to more events in person uh, and really bringing more of my community, more of my friends, more of my network that may not necessarily be exposed to crypto or blockchain or just the tech uh, that, you know, encompasses it as a whole and really bringing them. And then as I'm networking while I'm there or if I'm even you know, if they're not there and I'm networking around and with other people, I'm always putting people's names in rooms that, you know, they may not be able to always step in or just may be there. And it's like, hey, you know, I really know this uh, XYZ person with domain expertise. And I think they'd be perfect for you to tap on, right, just to kind of get that networking going. And so, um, you know, I, I did that this week, too. I was at a, a networking event this past weekend and someone there was working on um, like digital 3D fashion and like stuff for the metaverse and all that stuff um, and connected her with a, you know, well-known um, fashion designer that I know uh, from back in school. And so like, I'm always just seeing where I can provide the value and then edify and just connect and make that, you know, that connection to that someone because you, you never know really how, impactful it can be for somebody yeah no great that's exactly what uh we were speaking about with dr tommy francis it's like getting one person and connected to one other person and making waves on a ripple effect that way right so yeah perfect answer i think she will be very happy with you um all right so tell me a bit about yourself what are you up to in this space yeah sure so my background really stems from uh, media and tech. And so for the past about six, seven years, I've been a filmmaker, producer, and stuntman, and just overall um, active within the entertainment and TV and film space. And so uh, really where I'm at now is combining kind of my love for passion and or my love for tech and, you know, film and building Greenlit Protocol, which is my company and startup which is a media, an end-to-end -end media rights management and royalty tracking platform. And so essentially what we do is we help entertainment professionals uh, protect, monetize, and capitalize on their uh, intellectual property by using blockchain technology. Super cool. And you have something else that you're working on or do you want to keep that one quiet? <laughs> No, yeah. So I also co-run, co co-organize a film collective called Minorities in Film. Um, so I'm also a co-founder of that, where uh, pretty much what we do is we help minorities within the film and entertainment space advance their careers, uh, as well as doing community projects and producing and creating content together. Yeah, that's really cool as well, in line with the question that Dr. Tammy Francis left. I think you are 
particularly active in that area of, of onboarding and helping people feel included in the space, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even at, um, it's called My Film for short, Minorities in Film, we, we, we stem to just do a lot of education, not only in the film space, but how emerging technologies can help advance and accelerate, whether that's workflows, career options, uh, movie building, things like that. And it's like having some educational components around that as well, because both I and the founder, um, you know, are very adamant about just like technology and using it to our advantage, our advantage and leveraging it. And because one of the things she's, you know, passionate about Brittany Franklin, who co-founded and founded the uh, Minorities in Film, is the um, lack of diversity and, and resource um, with people of color, people with disabilities. And it's because she's also a hard of hearing, um, you know, director. And so she's wouldn't be able to actually do her job and hear without technology and advancements like that. So um, she's super adamant about, you know, leveraging tech and just being a creative technologist to tell the right story. Yeah, it's nice to see where where the tech can help in, in those situations too. Um, so what challenges, I mean, I think it kind of flows on, what kind of challenges are there that, can be solved with tech or with blockchain specifically? Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of where do we start? <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, there's a long time ago um, in the early days when I was doing kind of initial research and just really diving into blockchain tech um, and just the ecosystem as a whole, right? Uh, I watched this webinar of like, I think it was like, the film and blockchain um, contortion, or it was a it was a panel centered around that. And um, one of the speakers was saying that you know people like to walk around with like this bucket of paint and call it blockchain and slab it on everything, right? And think it's a solution for everything, uh, and that's not really the case. And so when I was designing and thinking of a problem to solve, right? I looked at the entire film supply chain from ideation all the way to like distribution and revenue recouping. And so I think what a lot of, of the practicality of what blockchain does is it brings transparency um, and insights into uh, a more opaque and where, you know, most creators or uh, revenue recipients wouldn't really have the ability to be able to have those uh, that knowledge or that insight, right? And I think one of the the most promising things is it creates this nature where uh, it could be trusted, right? You know, I think what a lot of people do in your say within blockchain is that hey, it's a you know trustless nature, it's decentralized. Right. And like when you start thinking about really what that means is that it's just your your ability to not rely on like a central authority where there could be, you know, human error or just more emotion that can cause, you know, wrongdoing or illicit or just, you know, malice behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, emotion or or as well, that kind of subjectivity whereas i think with blockchain it can be more objective because it's the code that 
decides. As long as that code is created fairly, then it should be fairer, in theory. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? Like, one of the things, uh, you know, I, if if anyone's ever seen, like, Coded Biases or, like, the, the documentary on Netflix where they talk about uh, how AI sometimes is, you know, developed with uh, biases that mm -hmm. folks may not really have, you know, awareness of, um, naturally and so like being adamant about that and i think blockchain can really be you know uh that same kind of case study where it's like you can and you have to design a smart contract in a way that uh it's fair efficient and you know it's open in the nature of where folks can view it see that there's nothing you know wrong or malicious within it and then um be able to trust that it will execute upon Right, the terms that are stated in it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Would you say, how would you weigh up 60, 40, 30, 70, 50, 50 between your involvement in the media side and the tech side? Oh, man. Um, I say yeah. I'm a techie, techie first. Okay. Um, I, I, love, I love my gadgets. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, you can't, you can't minimize the art, right? Um, you know, for my film, we did a um, an NFT collection uh, back in 2021, right? As a kind of proof of concept. And the goal was to raise funds for a community short film project. Um, and so we sponsored with artists and the, the name or the kind of theme was that artists are essential. Right. And that was kind of stemming from the pandemic when everyone was kind of locked indoors and um, kind of just couldn't go anywhere. Everybody turned to artists. Right. Like you binge, you watch Netflix, you um, find new creative passions such as like, um, you know, artistic endeavors or just like learning on YouTube and, and things of that nature. And it's like, well, like artists are the artists are the most essential to our community. Right. But sometimes the most overlooked and underpaid. And so we wanted to create a showcase that um, spoke to that. And that's why we kind of created that that NFT collection. But I would say um, it's a true 50 50 because I'm always going to see how and where I can use technology to not only advance the storytelling component of whatever I'm working on, but also to enhance and increase my efficiencies with workflows and how I get the day-to-day, -day, you know, task and things done, whether that comes from automation, um, bots or anything like that and software. Um, and so I think when you look at, you know, what we're doing at Greenlit, like it's, we're solving a mundane manual, manual pain point where a lot of users are still managing everything in spreadsheets. There's multiple people within, you know, hands in the pie and, uh, it just becomes complex and clunky and just uh, a challenge to to scale that at, at large. Mm -hmm. Going back to what you were saying about NFTs, how have you seen the evolution of that? Do you see, like with the collection that you had or have, is it still in existence? Uh, are there any... I try not to ask more than one question in each question, but I can never help myself. I mean, with the NFT thing, how is that? Okay, how did your 
NFT project from 2021, you said? How has that yeah. evolved? Yeah, so the pieces are actually still up um, for sale. I think one sold. Um, and it was it was definitely a good learning experience because we realized that our community and the community at large was not up to speed or knowledgeable about the benefits or like the practicality of blockchain uh, or NFTs within film and things of that nature. And so um, it's still, it's still, they're still up for, uh, they're still up. They can still be bidded on. Um, and we, you know, definitely plan to use any funds that are, um, you know, from that to put back into the community to advance like programming or, um, you know, have it be the start of like our community project uh, or ecosystem from there. But yeah, I mean, the evolution, I think, of NFTs, I think, are becoming more sound as a, um, as a, uh, I would say, like a thing, right? Because I think more and more, as more and more of these um, legacy, you know, brands and companies start to adapt them. You know, you're seeing the Reddit, the Starbucks, right? The MasterCards. I think as those things come in, right, they're going to be subtly infused within the ecosystem, right, of adoption, right? And folks will start to interact and, and leverage and use them without even really knowing they're interacting with them. And I think it will become kind of a main part of like, brand interaction and brand ecosystems um, and how they build out engagement and loyalties and just more interactive solutions, right, that can come from the space. So for somebody who, I mean, I've done a few of these conversations, I have a, a rough idea, but for somebody who doesn't know anything about NFTs, could we say that you buy a membership that gets you a certain set of benefits and is represented with a a digital insignia or is it too over yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean i think i think it would be and i think it really depends how it's um marketed per se from the brand but i think it at its core it's programmable access Right. When you think about that and that can be a ticket, it can be a membership, it could be a subscription, it could be um, artwork. Right. It could be any any of those. And I think when you, we get into that programmable access, right, it you know, just puts another layer on top of um, what folks are you know traditionally used to. Right. With their normal access where it's kind of static and um, outdated. Right. Web3, blockchain, NFTs, right? They just make it more programmable and infusible across kind of the board and how we interact with, you know, different brands and use cases. Oh, great answer. Yeah, we're definitely starting to see more versatility, that's for sure. Um, what about, um, what barriers to entry into the Web3 space in general do you detect at the moment? I think a lot of misconception um, and what what I mean by that is something I learned or just um, observed in my with peers and just in the space 
um, related to media and film is that across the board, there's this misconception that is um, just marketed to by from like the news and media outlet. And the misconception stems around like crypto and blockchain. And they're always talked about in like synonymous ways where they're marketed as kind of one of the same. And, you know, I think there's a stark distinction between crypto and blockchain, right? When you look at it, blockchain is the technical layer, right? That um, infrastructure can run on. And then crypto is just that token layer that sits on top of a blockchain. And I think if people really took the time to understand what blockchain is and how it can maybe solve some pain points that they're used to, or, you know, it could be a use case in the industry where they, um, they have kind of domain knowledge, they could really see the value proposition of it. Right. And, you know, I think blockchain can exist without a token or like a, a, a membership or something of that nature. Uh, and it still brings that value that, you know, can't necessarily be there, right? Like crypto can't really exist without a blockchain because then it wouldn't be crypto. So mm-hmm. I think I think differentiating between crypto and blockchain and understanding you know, what the value proposition of blockchain is, is the biggest, I think, hurdle because it's a, it's a vast unknown and it's the media portrays them as uh, two of the same. Yeah, correct. Um, Okay. Where do you think uh, diversity efforts should be focused? Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a good one. I feel like it's twofold. Um I think half, half is in the onboarding, right? And then the other half is in the the funding. If we look at tech and like just founders uh across the board, right? Minorities and black people receive less than, you know, 1% of venture capital funding, you know, from VCs. And I feel like if you back more minorities, then more minorities can build more products that speak to culture. And I think culture is the onboarding of like just diversity, right? We look at a lot of the things culture has brought us from streetwear to, you know, um, hip hop to just anything, right? Whether it's media, music. Uh, and that transcends across regions, right? So it's it's not like you know hip hop is is only in the U.S., right? It's across the world, mm-hmm. right? Streetwear is across the world, right? And that is bred from culture. And so I think it starts at the top, right? Where if you fund more minorities, uh, they're able to build more products geared and tailored towards minorities, but also be able to speak and understand how to onboard, right? That diversity where then it's more of an equal and level playing field for these diverse groups. Super. No, I think that's a really good answer. Um, And do you have any anecdotes or experiences about your 
own lessons in diversity or your most important when did you learn your most important lesson in diversity yeah um you know i i i think when it just comes to working with different diverse backgrounds and groups is understanding kind of your own biases and then learning how to navigate and kind of put them aside to you know really listen first to understand um then to be understood because i think from a lot of a lot of the time we speak from our own experience and not necessarily are able to understand you know different backgrounds and different experiences you know i'm kind of uh, lucky enough that i've been well traveled um in in kind of my young age cuz i'm only 31 right so i've been to six countries overseas in europe and switzerland and um lived on you know two different coasts and just traveled a lot so i got to really interact with people of all different types of walks of life and things of that nature and it really allowed me to look at the world and kind of just how i interact with people from a different space perfect um and there was another one I was gonna ask you. Anna, I did it the other way around. All right, yeah. So what other Anna, that was it. Um where do you see greenlit in maybe five years' time? What's your projection? You see, I can't do one question, it always <laughs> has to be too. Where do you see Greenlit in five years time? Yeah, um, I see it as the, you know, the premier kind of go-to platform to help any IP owner and any person who is a stakeholder within IP manage IP rights um, and payouts for just across media entertainment from uh, film, TV, all the way from gaming to uh, you know, comic publishers, authors and things of that nature. I think we'll start to see more of an open kind of marketplace around um, IP rights, media rights, things of that nature, where because of blockchain now, we can have more transparent pricing around um, acquiring rights and um, trading rights and, uh, you know, being able to now leverage all the benefits that come with, um, you know, blockchain and having some tokenization around uh, you know, intellectual property rights, whether that's loans or staking or just, right, really um, opening kind of the the borders to facilitating more deals across borders um, and removing that friction for um, creators, IP owners and vendors and distributors. And this might be a tricky one to, to answer, but in, within all of that, how does the the law come into play with that at the moment? I mean, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, just because obviously, okay, there's, I, I'm assuming in the US there's like, there's a, a legal framework for IEP, but how do you, how is it looking for a legal framework for IEP in blockchain? Does it make, I mean, where does the law come into it? Or does it not at the moment? Yeah, yeah, no, good, great question, right? And I think um, at its core, right, we're really a, um, like, contract lifecycle 
management platform for mm-hmm. intellectual property per se, right? Um, and so, you know, we facilitate those licensing and the contractual deals uh, between parties um, and they can manage it really all on the platform. Uh, and so, you know, obviously there's a uh, lack of regulation um, within kind of the U.S. currently around what NFTs are per se and how they apply to um, whether it's just art or just anything else. Uh, but what we do know is that, you know, from a licensing standpoint and a rights standpoint, having a ledger, right, that is public in nature does allow for more like transparent just transactions and facilitating and management. And so, you know, we're closely monitoring monitoring um, what that is. I think our, our model, because it's a little proprietary, but does kind of um, operate within that legal framework of you know signing rights to a to a token holder without kind of issuing more or less a security even though you know the SEC kind of is on their rampage of um everything's a security to them mm-hmm. uh but um yeah I mean I think we really won't see any type of um real regulation until maybe early 2024 as some of these cases you know are evolving and they're going to be kind of setting the precedent, but um, just from consulting and talking, I think, you know, we operate within a framework where the token really just describes ownership mm-hmm. at its core. Right. Um, and it's just a token that sits in a, you know, a digital public ledger. Uh, and that points to a agreement that is um, contractually binding uh, between two parties. Yeah. So it's like, kind of uh, maybe the same rules and regulations could apply in at least in the in the media and the IP side uh, the same rules could apply whether there's blockchain technology or not behind it that just the blockchain technology adds the transparency for the seller buyer correct and I think it it's a it's a more modern way. I mean, it it's, it really comes down to you know how platforms um, build and how it's interacted with, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's somewhat of the lens that the SEC is looking at. You know, some of these cases is not necessarily um, how it's built, but how uh, the everyday consumer interacts with it and I think that will be an important distinction as you know we work um we, we, you know we work with parties work with production companies agencies things like that uh but yeah I mean I think the framework still kind of exists and then um you know point to and and present it in a way where it's you know the token as adds this um ownership as ascribing layer that points to the owner right, and where the file is located. Mm-hmm. You've done really well with my curveball questions, by the way. <laughs> um, any other insight or knowledge or things you want to share before I ask you to leave another question for our next guest? Um. Yeah, I mean, I just, I always like to encourage people, like, just go after the life you want. Um build the business you're afraid to build. 
uh, and like the universe is just, it's going to make room for your talents, your goals, uh, you know, your wants. Uh, you just kind of have to put in the work and stay consistent long enough to reap the benefits. Nice. Thank you. And then a question for our next guest. We don't know who it is yet. It can be tech related. It doesn't have to be. It can be completely random. Uh, what would you like to ask our mystery next guest? Um, I would say, what does like diversity and decentralization look like, and how can yeah, and how decentralization can lead to more diverse economies? Okay, cool. How can, again, if anybody has been listening to a few of these episodes, I always say the same. I always write them down, even though I don't need to because it's recorded. So I like it to stay fresh in my head. How can decentralization yeah. lead to more diversity? That's a good one. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing your time and knowledge with me. Um. And we will be in touch. Absolutely. I appreciate uh, you having me and I'm uh, excited to um, share this with the world. Exactly. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day. Great Monday. And speak to you soon. Likewise. You Thank too. You. Take care. Bye-bye, Ian. Right. Bye. Bye.